talked about spiritual gifts for the last two weeks. Um, and as I was getting ready to, to prepare this section, which was supposed to be my last section, I got on the phone. I said, Richard, do you really want to talk on the last Wednesday night? And Jimmy's not here. And he goes, no, you can have it. So um, I'm going to speak next Wednesday night, too. There was just too much to try to cram into um, one more, and Richard was gracious enough to let me do it. So y'all are either... You're either glad or you're not going to be here next Wednesday night, <laughs> one of the two. Um, but we're going, to, we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts, and then um, we're going to work in um, a couple of other things along with spiritual gifts. But um, one of the first things um, I wanted on the top of the handout is uh, this quote, and I uh, love this quote. Bruce uh, Bugby wrote a book that um, I'm going to tell you all about tonight. But um, I thought this was a great quote because you're needed in the church not because there are slots to fill, but because in and through your ministry God's grace is released and his purposes are fulfilled. There's a big misconception, I think, about um, just being busy in the church. You know, I don't want you to learn your spiritual gifts and your personality and your passion just so you can get busy in the church. You, that's not the point. The point is exactly what he says here. God's grace is released and his purposes are fulfilled when you're using your gifts. And everybody benefits from it, including yourself. And I think anybody that um, I know that has done it, uh, who knows their gifts, who's found a place on the wall, who... Um, feels like they're doing something significant for all the right reasons, will tell you the exact same thing. It's just such a um, wonderful place uh, in your soul and in the church to be part of the body doing that. Um, it's it's uh, in um, uh, The Purpose Driven Life. Rick Warren has a whole section in this book, which I highly recommend to anybody, especially after this study. I think it's really appropriate because it helps give you some direction. But he talks about we were built and designed and created for service. We were created to do this. Um, so if you're not serving, you're not using your gifts, then you're not doing what you were created to do. And the book that I um, this quote came from is another one of my very favorite books. It's a short read. He's... Um, a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight comes from what he teaches in this book. It's called What You Do Best in the Body of Christ. It is available in the bookstore. Um, we also give these three books that I'm going to talk about tonight to everyone that goes through our Compass program if they don't already own them, um, which is where we teach a lot of what we're talking about here. So I recommend those books. The other book I'm going to talk about, um, a lot of the information comes from Florence Littower, and she has two books that particularly um, apply to this. One's called the Personality Personality Plus, Personality Tree. I prefer this book. <laughs> some people like the other one. But those are some books um, that are real good. And uh, Rick Warren does a great job in Purpose Driven Life, I think, of really showing you what all it takes to um, get your spiritual gifts what I wanted to do, first of all, because we didn't get to do it last week, was um, just spend some time. If you guys had questions about your spiritual gifts, you were confused or uh, didn't want your spiritual gifts, see if somebody would trade with you, um, anything like that. 
Yes, ma'am. They're different. Totally different. One of the things you'll find, especially, um, I'll give you my own personal example, and I find this to be true. The very first time I ever took a spiritual gifts test was back on Murray Road, which has been 12 years ago, 13 years ago, something like that. And my primary gift in that test was the gift of teaching. And so I was just all fired up, you know, and I started teaching. Well, it was through the use of that gift, going through the process of using that gift and developing it, that that two other gifts really came to the surface. It was like you start exercising that muscle and then, which I don't exercise any of my muscles except for my mouth, but um, you start exercising that muscle and others get stronger. And actually what came out of it was, that my primary gift, which is leadership, and then knowledge and teaching kind of went hand in hand there. I tie on both of those. So what you find is that the more you start using one, then several others are going to start coming to the surface. And that may be what you've experienced. Sometimes it's a totally different gift. Especially the manifestation gifts, the ones that kind of work through like faith and wisdom knowledge, prophecy, surprise people, but they, the, the more you grow spiritually, the more those are going to come, you kind of see those come to the surface. Other questions? Now, how would you tell the difference, if there is any, from a person that has a, a large amount of faith and a person that has the gift of faith? Um, I think a person who has the gift of faith, at least what I've seen and understand is their faith is very, very consistent. I mean, I know who God is. I trust him. But you know what? I go like this all the time. A person with a gift of faith is very, very consistent, very, very steady. Um, And I don't think somebody who just knows of the faithfulness of God and and trusts them because of experience, like David did. Uh, I think David probably had the gift of faith. But... um, you know, I'm okay as long as things are going good, but you let something bad happen, and I just get so mad <laughs> at God, and we have to have a conference. And um, that's just, you know, I don't, I don't possess that gift, but it doesn't matter what happens. My husband is consistently steady. Now, he does, it's not that he doesn't question and wonder why, but he knows that God is still who he says he is. I know that, too. I just like things my way. Yeah. Well, you'd make a good Bible study later if, if you had the gift of shepherding. Um, the difference between a good Bible study leader and a good teacher is the Bible study leader with the gift of shepherding is really good at small groups and shepherding. Teachers tend to pontificate. Um, in a, even in a small group setting, it's very hard. I mean, Jimmy even said when he started his small group, he had a hard time in the beginning because it's different than a classroom or a pulpit. But he's a, he's a teacher, too. So, that, Did that answer your question? Yeah, I just thought, you know, people might be like, I have the gift of faith, and the Lord led me to go into prayer group. Mm-hmm. But, you know, somebody uh, inside who has the gift of mercy, obviously, 
would be great working in our um, ministry to people who are ill or, or whatever. Uh, wisdom is even a great thing if, uh, if you're not quite right. You're about half a bubble off center and you want to work with the youth department. Um, just cannot be totally right and want to do that. <laughs> but I'm oh, just kidding. Um, but, you know, wisdom is a great thing. And if you're hip and cool and you work with a junior high or senior high and you have the gift of wisdom along with, you know, other gifts, you can offer a lot of really good, sound biblical counsel to young people and they'll take it. But wisdom shows itself in lots of encouragers. People have the gift of encouragement. It's a great you know, you offer wise advice, wise counsel to people that you know. Same thing with faith. You know, you just consistently encourage people in their faith and remind them that God is faithful and things like that. Those are harder to see in children. Other questions? Yes, ma'am. Um, in the spiritual gifts inventory, I think he puts it really well. If they have something that looks like one, it's probably just a talent. They don't, they're not gifts from the Spirit unless you're a believer. They're given to you at the time of conversion. And then they become useful for the body of Christ, building up the church. That makes sense? Yes, sir. I'm fine. How are you? Is the Holy Spirit a gift? Um, because I know in John it, it says, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what scripture exactly says, but you have to be, you have to repent and be baptized, and then the Holy Spirit to, to come unto you. So, right. You know, so if you haven't been baptized and repented, you know, will not the Holy Spirit be giving us? You know, I know I'm off the subject. I think he's saying what you just yeah. said. That there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's at regeneration. Yeah, that happens at the... It's a gift. It is a gift. Salvation is a gift, and he comes with that. I mean, sort of a package deal, I guess you'd say. Um, I'm not the theologian, so that's why I referred to Richard. Um, Other questions? Yes, ma'am. It's the, what it says in the Bible is that spiritual gifts are given to the body, to, to the body of Christ. Those in, in uh, Corinthians, in Romans, in Ephesians, when he's talking and explaining about spiritual gifts, he's talking to believers. I can give you the, I don't have them off the top of my head, but I can give you those scriptures. Um, It's Ephesians 4 and uh, I don't remember what the other, Romans 12. Okay, thank you. Yes, another question. If you scored a zero mm-hmm. in one, okay, yeah. Um, I'm not saying which one I scored a zero. Okay. Can I, could I possibly get better? Oh, absolutely. Like if I... Not evangelism, okay? But We're going to friend, shun you because you scored a zero. I just want you to know. No. I score a zero in compassion, just so you know. Don't feel bad. Mercy. None. But, but you could work on that and get better. And, and that's the key here, that the, you don't want to get so... Um, 
hung up on that that's not my spiritual gift, that you don't do that sometimes. It's totally against what the Bible teaches. What I have found is that the more you develop your spiritual gift, the other ones kind of come up in, I actually do score two now, but in mercy. But, uh, but you, um, they, they start coming up. And, and there are things that are very interesting. For example, discernment. I'm not discerning. I probably score a three or a four in that. Um, but in my gifts, in leadership and teaching and knowledge, I'm a lot more discerning in those areas, but not on the whole. Does that make sense? And yes, I think you're required to 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 build up all of those areas if you're going to grow. Absolutely. Discernment. Yeah, he promises that if we pray for that. But it's not a it's not your consistent gift. Does that make sense? Anybody else? All right, then we'll move on. Okay. Now, um, if you're going to, to uh, realize that this whole thing is a process, you're not going to wake up uh, after, uh, you know, this month in March and reading your devotionals and, and coming on Wednesday nights and go, okay, here's my spiritual gift. This is what I'm going to do. And it, that's probably not going to happen um, unless you had a lot of prior use with your um, um, spiritual gifts. Three components that uh, I think and have found that make up part of the process that help you discover where it is you should be and what you should be doing in the body of Christ are knowing your gifts, which we talked about. It's the best, uh, these three things are the best way to help you understand yourself and your purpose. Uh, knowing your personality type. Now, um, in the purpose-driven life, he talks about personalities in the Bible, that, that there are clear personalities in the Bible. Um, and he's the first one I've ever heard uh, say that. I, I think you can tell their personalities, but I think it's very important because they're very distinct. Um, and then the last one is knowing your passion. And we're going to talk about passion next week. Um, this week, we're going to talk about um, personalities. But let's kind of review real quickly what gifts what it says about gifts, gifts are given to members of the body of Christ, which is the answer to your question, Lorraine. The purpose of them is for the edification of the body, that we build the body up, and that we glorify God in all that we do using our gifts. They are generated or brought to life at the time of conversion. And I'm going to go from preaching to meddling here on the last one (laughs) and say that they are to be used, not just known. Um, Now we're going to talk about uh, the personalities. And the reason I think, uh, and a a lot of places do this too, but I think they're so important for you is because you can have the exact same gifts that I have and have a completely different personality and what you may be called to do will look very, very different from what I'm called to do or how you do what you do is going to be very different from how I would do it. Personalities are very distinctive. Um, They're like our fingerprints and our gifts. 
They're very personalized, I think. They shape our perspectives and our responses to all situations that we come across. Um, Marriage is a primary example. Something happens and you respond one way and you just look at your husband like he was just crazy out of his mind because he has no idea why you're responding that way. Because he's a totally different personality. His situation doesn't um, affect him the way it does you. Every personality has strengths and weaknesses. Every personality can be an asset or it can be a liability. We know lots of liabilities in our life, don't we? It's like, oh, please. Um, and our personality traits work in tandem with our gifts. And it's so interesting um, to watch this happen. And I, I told him I was going to use him as examples um, at our, one of our meetings. But the women that I work with all the time... Donna Pierce, Jane Scanlon, Crystal Sweetett, Michelle Shaw, and Donna Dusenberry. They're all part of the Amazing Graceline staff. And it is the most extraordinary relationship. Um, it's just a perfect example to me of what the body of Christ can be like if everybody works out of their strengths. About five years ago, how long have you been here, Jane? Four years, did you say? Five years ago, um, Ramona Smith, who had worked for me at, uh, at one time, she um, left, and we took the children's ministry, and we refigured, configured everything else, and we put everybody in the job that they were the best at. Now, if you know Donna Pierce, <laughs> she is delightful. She is the funniest person I know. She can tell a story like nobody's business. Um, Donna is great. She can talk you into anything and make you think it was your idea. Um, She's just great. But give her a piece of paper and she's going to lose it. Um, Not an administrator. Uh, And so we put Donna, Jane does a whole lot more than this, and we put Jane and Donna together, two two totally different personalities and, and very different gifts. And they make one person. Donna does the people, and Jane does the paper. Now, Jane is a little more talented than that because Jane can do people, too. (laughs) But she really likes paper. She's very, her main, one of her main gifts is administration, and together they work so well. Uh, Crystal Sweet, I talked about her last week. She's an administrator. Crystal can organize me. I mean, she's just amazing. Um, Donna Dusenberry has a a real passion for teaching and children, and she runs our Wednesday night program. Very laid back, doesn't get upset, very calm, somewhat of an administrator, doesn't like to do too much of it, and doesn't have to in her job. Um, And she has a lot of people that work for her, but she is just a great support, a great encouragement for all of us. And um, Michelle Shaw runs our special events nursery every time we have a special event. Uh, Michelle schedules that, gets the people to work. She is amazing. She's the best kept secret we have here. She is amazing. But together, we all uh, work so well together. It's just, a, it's just a delight to have people like that around. And that's what, and all of our personalities are very different. Um, I'm the bossiest of all. And uh, I have, there's 
four of them are really quiet. Donna and I decide most of make most of the decisions <laughs> about where we're going to go eat lunch and stuff like that because we're the bossiest. Um, but that's what your personalities and your gifts work when you work together like that. Everybody is content and happy. Nobody gets tired in their jobs. If they do, there's someone there to encourage them. It's just a great situation having the right people in the right jobs. Now, most of this information I, I happen to like uh, about personalities that Florence, what Florence Lowtower teaches. Her basic premise of the four personalities came from Hippocrates. He was the very first person to develop uh, four basic personalities and, and named them uh, these four names, which we'll talk about in a minute. There's lots of other tests. I'm sure you've taken type A, high A personalities, things like that. Um, I think Gary Smalley uses the animals. I don't want to be called an animal, so I like this one. Um, and there are four basic personality types. And according to the rules, uh, you can be any two, a combination of any two of these personalities as long as you're going around the square. You cannot be, um, you can't go across the square like this because they're exact opposites. Let's talk a little bit about the sanguine. The sanguine uh, loves to be fun. You hear them say it all the time. Oh, that'll be fun. Oh, let's go do that. That'll be fun. You know, that sounds like so much fun. That's their favorite word. They say it a lot. They're very, um, usually very happy, somewhat ditzy people sometimes. Um, their greatest need in life is for attention and approval. And they will drive you crazy when they work out of their weaknesses. Um, the next personality is the choleric personality, or choleric. Some people say that. The choleric person wants to be in control. They love to be in charge. They love to be in control. And they want to control everything. Their greatest need in life is for achievement and appreciation. A choleric wakes up every morning, hits the ground running, and doesn't stop until it's all done. And then they want you to say, don't know how you do all you do. <clears throat> the um, next one down is the melancholy. This is the perfectionist. These people love order. They love lists. Oh, my gosh. The difference between a sanguine list and a melancholy list I happen to be part sanguine, but you didn't know that. Um, and my list for cleaning my house would be clean your house. And you look at that and you go, oh, my gosh, and you get so overwhelmed and so you don't do it. You go shopping. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, this isn't fun. Um, a melancholy has a list. Wipe the toilet seat. Change the toilet paper. Rinse the sink, clean the mirror, and that's just one room, and they do it for every room in the house. Um, melancholy is like their cabinets organized. They like their drawers organized. They like everybody organized. They're, they have a deep-seated need for order and sensitivity. They're very, very sensitive. Not, they're sensitive to others. They're not necessarily sensitive in how you treat them, but... They have this deep need for understanding. Then there is the all-purpose person, the phlegmatic. 
A phlegmatic is a peace at all costs person. They do not like conflict. Will agree with you whatever you say because they're not going to fight you. Uh, their greatest need in life is for respect and a feeling of worth. They just want to be respected. Now, let's talk about each one individually. I will tell you, this is one of the most amazing things. Um, we, I learned about this. We did a, a study of the book. And, by the way, Florence Littower is a Christian, and hers all comes from a Christian perspective. Um, and we learned this. And this was one of the greatest things for me, especially in our marriage and raising my kids. Because I learned what my husband's personality was and what he really needed to feel secure and, and loved. And he understood that I was never, ever going to measure up. <laughs> so let me off the hook on a lot of things. So, um, And it's great for your kids. In fact, when I meet someone, the first thing I do is evaluate their personality. And that tells me how to, how to um, communicate with that person and on what level. And it's wonderful for business if you have people that work for you. Uh, helping you to find the right people and put them in the right jobs. You do not want a sanguine doctor. <laughs> He'll forget where he put your kidney. <laughs> I asked Edgar too that. He said, no, you want a choleric melancholy doctor. <laughs> one of the two. Um, this, this is the sanguine. The sanguine's going to do everything the happy way. They want to be happy. Uh, y'all know Diana Yance? Sanguine. All the way. Um, I, and I'm part sanguine, not as much as I used to be. But, um, and they have a lot of strengths and a lot of weaknesses. Here's the deal on, on learning your personality type. You have an obligation to work out of your strengths as a believer. And when I took this test, I didn't have very many. Like I said, I always thought being bossy was a strength, but it's not listed as a strength. Um, and and, it, and it's a, it was a huge thing for me to, to come to the understanding that God had given me my personality, even though I, had, I was using all my weaknesses, but that my personality was as God-given as my spiritual gifts, and it had value to him because I didn't feel very valuable most of the time as a, you know, a sanguines are kind of scatterbrained, kind of ditzy. We don't remember a lot of things well. Um, Florence Littower tells some hilarious stories about losing her car in the parking lot. And then what eventually happens is she gathers a crowd around because she's talking about losing her car and, and she can't find her keys. And so, you know, there's ten people around her by the time she's done helping her find her keys and locate her car. Um, but that's uh, the sanguine. They have great personalities. They're very talkative. Life of the party. Have great senses of humor. Um, very emotional. They like touching. They usually hold on to you when they're talking to you. Um, very animated personalities. People, you can pretty much tell they um, are always using their hands and their eyes. Um, they're real good in front of people, except they can't remember what it was they were going to say. Um, they're very creative. Uh, when I typed this one, I thought of Donna Pierce, charms others to work. She didn't talk into anything, I promise you. Um, and they love spontaneous activities. They'll just like, oh, 
why don't we go do this? You know, they're not going to plan anything because that's not fun. Um, they have lots of weaknesses, which you can read here. <laughs> Has a loud voice and laugh. I had to laugh when I saw that one. Certainly described me. The choleric. Choleric wants to do it their way. <laughs> you know, if you get a choleric, if you want something done, you give it to a choleric person to do because they're going to do it. It's not going to be perfect, but it is going to get done. I promise you. And they may run you over doing it. But... If they're working out of their weaknesses. Uh, they're usually born leaders. they um, very active. Like I said, they get up every morning. They hit the ground running. They, don't, they have a mental list of what needs to be done usually. Um, and they don't stop till it's done. Very organized. Very goal-oriented. Very independent. Um, weaknesses. Uh, they can be very impersonable, inflexible, very strong-willed. They don't relax well. They cannot sit down. You have someone in your family that can't sit down and watch a TV show. Always got to get up and be doing something. Um, <laughs> they do like to make decisions for everybody. Um, that's a big one. Somebody is. <laughs> You're going to say something out loud? <laughs> no? Okay. The melancholy is um, they want to do things the right way no matter how long it takes. Oh, my gosh, put a gun to my head. You, it, uh, they're tedious is my favorite word. Uh, they're very deep and thoughtful people. They actually uh, feel so much deeper than most of us. Um, the, on the four squares, the sanguine and the choleric are very people-oriented. People actually energize them. For the melancholy and the phlegmatic, people wear them out. They can only be around people for short periods of time. They get kind of drained by being around a lot of people. So the melancholy um, is, they're usually very talented, very creative. They love schedules. They have very high standards. And when they work out of their weaknesses, they try to hold everyone else to their standard. And it will drive people crazy. Make them hate you. Um, they're very detail-oriented, and they usually try to be um, fly below the radar. They don't like a lot of attention drawn to them. Um, they remember the negative. They can be very moody and depressed and not know why they're depressed. I, my husband is a melancholy. I remember when we first got married. You know, a sanguine is depressed, but you know what? They can tell you exactly what's depressed them. Somebody bought that dress they wanted, or... Uh, <laughs> Their makeup doesn't match their new outfit. Um, something really important. And um, but a sang- <laughs> she's laughing because she knows it's true. But but a melancholy will just all of a sudden get depressed and they can't tell you why. And it's going to take them three or four days to get over it. It's to snap out of it. Um, they it too introspective. Call that navel gazing. Uh, very hard to please. They tend to hold back affection unless they're absolutely sure that it's safe um, to give affection. They don't like social situations because they're very insecure. Can you talk about persecution mm-hmm. They feel like. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm to a oh yeah, you probably are. Nobody understands them. Oh my gosh, you know, it's just life is so hard because nobody understands me and. And, and it is true. I mean, it is difficult because they feel things at such a deep level that most people don't. Um, 
it's kind of, it, we, I call it the martyr syndrome. They think oh, that they're martyrs. You just want to smack them. <laughs> yeah, there goes that mercy again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are. Yeah. <laughs> they're called antidepressants. Is there anybody in here who can write the book? <laughs> well, there's some who can just loan you some. <laughs> Phlegmatic is the the easy way. They they are they're just lazy. Um, not in a, not in a bad way. Um, uh, they they're lazy in a bad way. They're really low key in a good way. They're very easy to get along with. Everybody loves the phlegmatic because they're so peace loving. <laughs> Miss Phleg over here. <laughs> we call them two steps above furniture. <laughs> A term of endearment, actually. No, phlegmatics are great people because they're so, and they're usually married to a choleric because opposites do attract. They're very competent. They're very steady. They're somewhat unemotional uh, on the surface. Um, they're good listeners. They have lots of friends because they don't argue with everybody, anybody. Everybody loves them. They're just great. Oh, yeah, he is such a nice guy. My son is a phlegmatic. Now, I grew up in a house, if you all know my parents, um, and woe be unto you if you ever have to meet my sister. I, I grew up in a house with three other choleric people, controlling people. Now, I was the youngest. I, I didn't stand a chance. And when I got to college, baby, it was all over. <laughs> I, I just controlled everybody when I got to college. Um, but I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, phlegmatic. <laughs> Uh, phlegmatic, you just, I don't know what to do with them. I mean, you don't motivate them because the more you push them, you know what they do? They just smile at you, and they dig their heels in, and they say to themselves, I am not going to do that at all. Don't, you know, I'm not going to do it. Not gonna, they'll never tell you what to do, but you know what? Don't ever tell them what to do because they are not going to do it. No. Nope. Love you. Not going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they like watching. They don't like a lot of change. They like the same thing. Um, they're very indecisive. They won't make decisions. <laughs> I go to lunch during the week with Gail and Rhonda Green that work up in the front office, both who are melancholy phlegmatics. And guess who gets to pick where we go to lunch all the time? Queenie over here. Um, they just won't do it. Um, unenthusiastic uh, in their weaknesses, very lazy. Um, never live up to their potential just because they like uh, Ashley Dusenberry, some of y'all know. You know, his motto in life, he is a phlegmatic sanguine, is to uh, strive for mediocrity. <laughs> that gives you a good picture of what phlegmatics are like. Um, but I encourage you to learn what your personality is because it, it goes hand in hand with uh, how you deal with people, um, you know, if, you're, if I am a controlling person and I'm dealing with a phlegmatic son, a, a lazy, peace-loving, I, I, can't, he's, I can never expect him to live up to the standards that I put on him for, you know, being in charge of everything and being in control. It's not fair. It's not right. Um, and when you're dealing with people, in the minist- when you're ministering to people in the body of Christ, 
it's best if you can understand what you're like so that you don't inflict that on other people because it can be an infliction. <laughs> Does that make sense? Do you have any questions? Um, real quick, Bob? Did you say that, that it's not unusual to have two types? Two, two, you can have two personalities and or a combination. Clockwise. Clockwise. Mm-hmm. Some, I will tell you oh, this warning. I could talk about this forever, but... Um, If you grow up in a household, the best example I can give you is my daughter, Alexandria. I'm very sanguine and very choleric, so controlling, kind of fun person. And um, my daughter is choleric melancholy. But when you talk to her and and have a conversation with Alexandria, you would think she was sanguine because she does this a lot. And um, But she's learned that. It's from me. It's from being in a house with me. That's not, she's not really like that all the time, but when she starts talking, she gets kind of carried away. So you can learn, especially if you grow up in a, if you're a a choleric child and you grew up in the house with a melancholy parent or even a sanguine child and you grew up in the house with a melancholy parent, you know, you're going to have some tendencies to keep things in order just because you were trained that way. But it's not natural and you would rather not do it. Does that make sense? Wouldn't you call some of that a survival mechanism? Yeah. Depends on how she grew up in. My survival mechanism was just trying to make everybody laugh because everybody was running my life. Yes. Uh huh. That you want to keep a lot of order. There's a test. I have tests in my office, but we try to use those only for the Compass class. Um, you can, their tests are in the book. Or you can go onto their website. Um, yeah. Um, I really highly recommend the book, reading the book, um, it, especially as a parent, because discipline is very, as different as your children are. One, deprivation works best for some, and just spanking their bottom works best for others. Um, I have one of each. Yeah, it's, it's great stuff, and I encourage you to, even if you only read halfway through the book, but there's a test at the back of the book, um, and I'll be glad to hook you up any way I can to help you. Other questions? I'll let, let you all go. Let's um, pray. I hope you all come back next week because it will be really good. <laughs> Father, we just thank you for this time together. I, um, I just thank you, Lord, that each personality that we have is um, as, as much a gift from you as our spiritual gifts, Lord, that you have equipped us with a heart and personalities and gifts, Lord, that we can use to serve the body of Christ. And what a joy that is when we're doing it. And we're doing it for all the right reasons, and we're depending on you to meet our needs and the needs of those in our covenant family. Father, go with us this evening. We pray for Jimmy and Susie as they're away from us uh, for a few more weeks, and we just ask you to bring them back safely. And we ask all these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.